My folks actually uh, named me after uh, Glenn Miller, the band leader. No they kidding. Were World War II era. Um, my favorite picture of them to this day is them dancing. It's one thing they did and really enjoyed with each other. Welcome to Christ in All Things, a conversation about meaning and purpose. It's based on a Bible verse, Colossians 1.17, which says, Christ is before all things and in him all things hold together. Christ in All Things is a listening ear into conversations about receiving and giving the love and hope of Christ. And these conversations, they are an invitation because as you'll hear, and as much as we enjoy having them, digital media operates from a distance. And that is not what's best for us, with God or with one another. So thanks for listening. And if you're in the neighborhood, we invite you to participate in person in the life that finds its epicenter at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Hello, I am Pastor Lance O'Donnell. I'm Pastor Jason Schockman. And we are here with our special guest today, Mr. Glenn Lydell. Welcome, Glenn. Thank you, pastors. We're so glad to have you, Glenn. Nice to be here. Uh, I'm expecting a punny conversation. Yes. This Careful is a, what you wish for now. <laughs> this is a conversation that's going to be all about the base. Well, for you guys. <laughs> yeah, you squeaky guys. Oh, well. <laughs> wow. So you want to start with the name? Well, I'll see if I can join the club. It doesn't work so good today. Yeah. Glenn, your full name is... What? Glenn with two N's. Glenn with two N's. Lydell. Robert Lydell. Correct. Now, our opening question is always the same. Uh, Why are you named that, and do you know what it means? Well, according to my loving siblings, my name Glenn means something about being a hole in the ground in Ireland. But uh, (laughs) my parents actually named They are not too far off. (laughs) Yeah, 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 I could dig it, you know, but... uh, my folks actually uh, named me after uh, Glenn Miller, the band leader. No they kidding. Were World War II era. Um, my favorite picture of them to this day is them dancing. So it's one thing they did and really enjoyed with each other. You know, sometimes you couldn't prove the rest of the time. But uh, then a little side note on that: I almost was Martin, which had no nothing to do with Martin Luther. But uh, my sister, who's uh, five years older than me. My mother bought a Marty doll, so when she had her new little brother, that she wouldn't be jealous. And she, you know, what's a Marty doll? Just a doll named Marty. <laughs> so, so, so you almost got named after a doll. Yeah, so exactly. it's not named Marty, and and I think it was, was with an I rather than a Y. So it's not a Barbie doll. But, no. It's a Marty doll. Yes, yes. Kind of like Marty Moose. Maybe Marty was <laughs> the guy version of Barbie back in the day. I think it was always Ken, though. Yeah. Oh, but then then the. The follow-on to that was that during the delivery period, which I had a long and difficult delivery, sorry, Mom. Uh, well, and you're what now? You're six foot what? Five. Yeah. No. He's a big dude. I wasn't born six foot five. <laughs> so, you're, so you've got that going for you. Yeah. So, But it was a long and, and difficult delivery and a hot day in a hospital with no air conditioning at the time, believe it or not. And during the throes of labor, my mom went variously from calling me Marty to Glenn, from Glenn to Marty, from Marty to Glenn. My dad finally, his name shall be Glenn. 
and it was probably one of the most assertive things, positive things he ever did, you know. But uh, the Robert is after my father, Robert Carl Lydell. And uh, Lydell, as I understand it, in the German has to do with wolves and leading people. So I'm, <laughs> I don't know where the wolves come in, but I guess the leading people part kind of bared out in later life. What, so. what, is, what does Robert mean? Robert is actually from a German word, which means bright fame. So Glenn actually is from the Irish, especially with the two ends, yep. uh, from the Irish, meaning valley, or as your siblings would say, hole in the ground. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Robert means bright fame. Uh, and Lydell, I'm glad you had something on Lydell because most yes. of my research came up bubkis. Oh. Uh, that it 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 has has versions that it could come from this or it could come from that, but it's it is a very widespread name in Germany. Right, right, very common, very name. common name. Yeah, not that much in the United States. You know, they have a very small, even as with as many nation. German immigrants as we have. Although, right. although the surname Lydell is most common in German and the second most likely place you'll stumble across that particular name is the United States. Which would be reasonable with our yeah. German heritage. So. I, I was kind of intrigued by that being that the nations that immediately surround Germany mm -hmm. are far less likely to have percentage wise per capita wise Lydell's than America. Yeah. And there you have it. And which is nice. Which is nice. Mm -hmm. So one of the one of the for the meat of the of our of our conversation today revolves around this this other question, which we really enjoy because the reason we do this is we like to get to know you better, mm -hmm. but it's also an opportunity for the people in the congregation to share with our community. Uh, these are these are our people, and the question is so. What are the top three to five things that formed you as a human being? Well, I'll say first and most obvious, my parents, and I don't mean in the literal sense, but uh, my mom was a very devout Christian and really was the center of the Christian faith in our family and saw to it that no, no matter where we lived, um, we were going to church, we were involved in church. Uh, very fortunately, uh, from the times it was first grade through sixth grade, uh, we were at uh, Sherman Park Lutheran Church in Milwaukee. And at the time, it was Pastor Frank, and everybody respected him so much. And he was so, when I say feared, I guess we go back to the biblical version of that, you know, is that he was a very highly respected pastor. And then Pastor Valentine Mack, who I always thought was a really cool name for a pastor. That is an amazing but, name. But Sherman Park was the staunchest German, you know, they still had German services up until, I believe, the early 60s. Okay. And so very rooted uh, deeply in German. Uh, my mom saw it that we went to not only uh, choir, but they had what they called church school, which was sort of like a confirmation preparation. But after school, you'd go for two hours or whatever it was, have a hot dog, and then watch one of the old biblical movies, you know, some of the really cool stuff. But And then on Saturdays, there was choir practice, which we were in regardless of how well we could or couldn't sing. 
and then roller skating was the big thing that you skated in the park in the in the park in the gym at Sherman Park uh, as a recreational activity in the afternoon was the kids one and then the uh, evening hours on Saturday were the were the adult and uh, teenager one and it was really everything revolved around church we lived on 38th and center versus 43rd and I should say Sherman and Center, 43rd and Shrevener, roughly, and would walk back and forth without thinking about it because, you know, there was a bus, but we didn't have the dime to take the bus up and really for, you know, the six blocks, whatever it was, it really didn't matter. But we were uh, very, very strongly rooted in the faith there. Uh, I got to appreciate my uh, love of traditional church music. The organ there was... Uh, I don't remember how many stops, but it took up half the chancel. Oh, wow. And had literally three distinct consoles, one you sat in front of, one to the right, one to the left, and like four registers on each one. I don't know how they kept track of all of them, you know. And when they played that thing, you know, the the rafters would rattle, you know. Um, But uh, as again, and then being in children's choir, which we set up in the chancel, was where the choir loft was in the chancel. Right, you'd sit there and be on public display for the whole church service, and then Mr. Roman, uh, our organist, another cool name for a church guy, Mr. Roman, you know, uh, very skilled organist, her choir director. He'd be sitting on the other side, and if he gave you the look, you knew you were getting out of line, and you'd catch some <laughs> trouble afterwards. You know, that's rough for kids uh, being in front of God and everybody for the choir. Glenn, yeah. you never got the look. Oh, never. I was no. a good kid. <laughs> What was? Was, yeah. Yeah. So what changed? <laughs> I got married uh, no. So oh. you, you said so you said mom mom really was the driving force spiritually right. yeah, and, in your home. And she was a musician? No, actually was not. She sang but had a very modest voice. Um, but one of her treasures was when uh she my her mother, her sisters, uh one son and daughter my older brother, Greg, my older sister, Nancy, and I were all in the choir at one time and would sing for the, the festival services. And, you know, we did a lot of processing, a lot of very, very formal, which I still go back, you know, even though liking contemporary music, yeah. my, my roots are very deep in the, in the formal and traditional church music. But we would process, and, you know, we got to use candles and real candles. And, oh, boy, this is so cool, you know. And, and of course, music was, was uh, really wonderful. Too. There is something about real candles. There is. Isn't there? Yeah, Still fire to this. desert, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and you're, you're talking to the retired deputy fire chief. But there's, there is a, there's a smell to yeah. a, a real candle. And, just the, and that's when they had some of the very first uh, electronic ones that the adult ca- uh, choir would carry. And, of course, this was all in full robes. You know, as little kids had the white and black, and the adults were in the deep purple with the sashes. And, uh, and very, you know, very formally orchestrated. And we're, you know, process up and down. Remember us kids complaining time again, you know, that's all, all we did was march around. When did we get to do something, you know? But <laughs> but it was kind of, it was it was still, though, it's, it's uh, solid memories that I'll have. But from uh, the time that uh, we left St. Sherman Park was because my mother was very pregnant with my younger brother, John. Now, my older brother, Greg, is 11 years older than I. My sister, Nancy, is five years older than I. My younger brother, John, is 11 years younger than I. Oh, wow. There was an 11-year break between kiddos. No, no, between the first 
and the third, mm-hmm. and then another 11 year break between the third and the fourth. And That's then, 22 years from first to last. Yeah, and that was something that really affected my my upbringing and my my family role. Was that I was the baby for 11 years? Well, okay, five, six years. Well, my my sister would have been the baby for five, you know. But then I was the baby for 11 years until John was born, and then, and then here we go. Coincidentally. My older brother Greg went away to the army on August 9th. On May 26th, John was born. They never lived in the same house together. Um, they never, you know, well, you know, never lived together in, in the sense of how you'd think. And yet something that's a blessing and, and another real factor in, in my life is that I've, I have three wonderful siblings who I love very much. All are in the faith, and uh, also when uh, Greg left for the army, I was still a little bit too young. But then he came back and left to Texas, so essentially left the family again uh, on good terms. I mean, you know, it was for work, and he got married. And uh, then I was becoming, even though I was the second oldest, I was becoming the uh, kind of the temporary, or what would you want to call it, the the big brother to my older sister but then again she had done more to raise me than my mom did in most cases and I'll I'll credit that by saying my mom worked her tail feathers off trying to keep up with those three kids Uh, my dad was was a functional alcoholic um, really wasn't involved in our life at that time very little and everything was on mom and uh, but even before that, when I was young, you know, my sister Nancy had done more to actually care for me, and she would be the one who'd get me dressed up in my little suit coat and tie to go to Sunday school. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Comb my hair, get me out the door, and walk me down to uh, Emmaus at the time. We were at Emmaus uh, in uh, Milwaukee, and then, you know, as I said, went to Sherman Park a little later. And then my older brother, Greg, had continued to be a strong spiritual influence. He was the, the patriarch of the family. Um, oh, that my faith were like his, you know, yeah. type of thing. And unfortunately, now he's suffering from advanced Alzheimer's and dementia. And, you know, it's the, the classic decline that you see there. But the real blessing I see there is that our my siblings and I were were and still are very close. We get together just to get together. Uh, even though my sister lives out in Baskerville now, it's an excuse for John and I to go out and, and visit her. And Greg, well, it's you go to visit, and it's, it's actually more depressing than it is uh, good. But it's, it's hard. It's hard to see, right? And you, you had a, you had a distinct challenge in your family. Yes. Which obviously in some families would go, would split, but that really kind of drew you and your sibs together. It, it really did, and it, and it, it still does. Um, you Which know. makes watching him suffer all the, you know, all the worse. And that's, that's why it's, but we, we kind of uh, had a foretaste of that when they had moved to Texas. They basically moved to Texas in 1976. And... Uh, raise their family there. And again, we're on good terms, but it's just back in the day you didn't have email, you didn't have, you know, a long-distance phone call was a big deal, you know. And so you rarely did it unless there was something wrong, you know. 
for those of you listening that might be younger, there was there used to be this thing called a long distance phone call, and yep. you had to pay extra cash. There yep. was local, there was a local number, and a long distance, yes. and you and you had to pay sometimes serious money for the long distance phone call, depending on how long distance the long distance was, and how long you were on the phone. And Indeed. if you called on Wednesday night or Sunday afternoon, Indeed. and all the other factors that they, oh, yeah. that I never realized or figured out why it made any difference, but a way for the phone company to charge more money volume all about call volume pardon it was all about call volume yeah you adjust that with that dial no when there were more calls being made right right, they could charge more and when there were less calls being made they couldn't charge as much people wouldn't make the calls if it cost more so they would lower the price at hours when there was less volume and here, here's the son of Gary Shock, who used to work for Ma Bell. <laughs> for, for all his life, almost all his life, right? Until he retired and went to the seminary. Um, cool. Yeah. So, Glenn, uh, you, you started by saying the number one influencer in your life or number one impactful factor in your life was your, your parents. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think after listening to you, we might need to amend that and say your family. Yes, yes, I would. Right, because from listening to you talk about your siblings and talk about your mom, Mm -hmm. they seem to play almost uh, complementary and equal roles in forming you uh, and into who you are. And conversely, my dad, like I said, really wasn't in the picture. Um, There wasn't... You know, there's good good times that we had, but those were few and far between. And that and, that's uh, that's striking to me because I've watched you for the last ten years. You're a great dad. Thank you. Um, an amazing grandpa. Yeah, yeah, a great dad and an amazing grandpa. Well, yeah, I mean, Christ in all things. <laughs> there's a name. There's a reason we named the show. We named yeah. well, we named it right. Well, that that it really is. That's it. Well, it's heartening. It is. It is. And that's where, you know, like I said, uh, dad just wasn't there. And I guess that's why, uh, you know, I, as a father and grandfather, tried, tried to be more accommodating, more understanding um, of my children and grandchildren, and hopefully have accomplished that. Um, but I think that's uh, my greatest challenge in life and my greatest blessings in life are my children and my grandchildren. Uh, just so precious to have both. Um, that they're, uh, it's just that's, that's what, what life is about right now. You know. But um, What's number two for you? Well, I was going to say my siblings, but we kind of got onto that. <laughs> we, yeah, we got and that. Then, we wrapped uh, them up into one. Okay. But, uh, uh, being at Sherman Park Church with the the very traditional upcoming upbringing, and uh, the two uh, very uh, strict but yet reasonable pastors. Um, you know, there's a story about one that I'll, I, I, it's not bad. It just probably don't have the time for it. But at any rate, it's kind um, of what we're here for, Glenn. Is yeah, to have you right. tell yeah, stories. By all means, sure, go for sure it. This, our our uh, pastor Frank was a colonel in the Air Force Reserve, super strict by the book. You know the eagle's feathers had to be right on the flag. I mean everything by the book. And 
remember I said my brother was in basic training when John was born. Well, he also was coming back from basic training to get married at Sherman Park. And then on Monday, they were going to get married on Saturday, have one day to be together, and then had to be in El Paso to his next duty station on Monday. Oh, my. So an incredibly tight schedule. And they're giving out the leave papers at, you know, the end of, of basic there. And uh, he's waiting and waiting. They don't call his name. They get to any list of words, my leave papers. Well, nothing came through for you. It's too bad, so sad, you know. And so my brother gets on the, on the phone long distance to call mom. And, what you know, this is what's going on. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? And she says, well, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll call pastor. Okay. And because, I mean, the wedding's all set to go. This is like. Three o'clock on Friday night, and the wedding is supposed to be three o'clock on on uh, Saturday afternoon. And, and he's uh, still in he's Texas, still in, in Georgia, in Georgia. Okay, and with not a clue on how we're going to get him home. And uh, twelve hours, he says. Uh, Twenty-four. Phone rings about half hour after she had talked to Pastor Frank, and he's, uh, he says, "Lydell, I don't know who, what kind of friends you have in the military, but Colonel Frank told me to get your on the plane ASAP <laughs> now. Let's get on our way to the airport now, you know. So Pastor Frank, had, oh, sorry, didn't mean to overmodulate. You're good. <laughs> Pastor Frank was, uh, legitimately was a colonel in the Air Force. So, I mean, he was a ranking officer for the sergeant, you know, yeah. at the desk. And it's it literally saved the day, you know. And I look back at it now, and I think for him to do that, I mean, just shows the human side, and you know how deeply he cared and was involved in our in our family. Even though kind of you know, Sherman Park at that time was a huge congregation too. I don't know a couple thousand people, you know, like here. But it just to have you know to do that, it's just all stuck in my mind. You know, it was know nothing nothing wrong when it sure solved the problem so you know but and uh, now in pastor frank that i'm so glad you asked that story and that you told it because it that's kind of legendary it, it is i mean <laughs> and it just it's it's uh you know without his intervention the whole wedding would have been called off they you know they wouldn't have been married did you ever ask him what he said you, this was Pastor Frank. I didn't even know his first name. I was trying to remember it now. And I don't remember his first name because he was always Pastor Frank, sir. You know, And I mean, not in a, in a jerky way, but in a respectful people just had a natural respect for the man. And he car- you know, carried right over into the pulpit with his sermons. And, and, bef- you know. and before he was a pastor... He was a full bird colonel. No, he was an active uh, colonel in the oh. reserve, in the Air, For- okay. Air Force, not Army right. Reserve. Right. So that was kind of the other thing. You know, he was a colonel. So active. he had the rank, okay. but it was, you know, the wrong branch of service. But when you're a sergeant at 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon, you don't answer when the colonel calls up one year attention. So, <laughs> Right. Man, I would love to have heard that conversation. I would have I too. <laughs> I really would have too. But or any other conversation, so Pastor tell, Frank. So you, you've talked a good bit, you, but so you said, Mom, you know, parents, uh, Mom in particular, your family, in Sherman Park, and you've talked about music and being active, and my goodness, and it was kind of the in the center of your center of your life. Very much. So. Was there other stuff about Sherman Park? Because that's. My up, you said my, you know, my upbringing at Sherman Park Lutheran right. Church, and that was that was a church we were at the longest. What I hadn't mentioned earlier was I went to seven different schools. Oh, good gravy! And lived at five different places with my parents, not counting the times I've moved as an adult. 
And so we really didn't get a lot of history at, uh, we had gone to uh, Christ Memorial. Uh, we had gone to another one, Luther, uh, Missouri Synod, one in Milwaukee on the northwest side. And uh, we could have kept going to Sherman Park, but at the time my mother didn't drive, didn't have a car. So, you know, riding the bus was really inconvenient. It would have been about a 20, 30-minute bus ride one way just to get to and from church events. So the other ones, theoretically, we could walk to. But then our, our moves happened, a number of those moves happened in very quick succession. So as I said, we really didn't get a chance to put down even any sort of roots at any of the other congregations. What did your mom do to make ends meet? She um, was a cleaning lady at the uh, for the Milwaukee Public School System and did all that, plus raising us kids and... Uh, just a, a phenomenal lady. We were on we were on government assistance. You know, that's why the food pantry here still has a a uh, soft spot in my heart, because we ate a lot of government surplus cheese and peanut butter and oats, and obviously it didn't hurt me at all looking at me, you know. <laughs> but um, but and then she would go downtown somewhere on the city bus with her shopping cart and bring this stuff home to us, you know, which had to weigh a couple hundred pounds, and here she is before a long day at work going down to the, you know, the government food center. But then, too, it was also the start of when it was very obvious how God would provide for us, uh, and we're, which has carried through my whole life. Uh, there's always, you know, you may complain about not having this, not having that, but in, in hindsight you look back and you've always had enough. And it becomes obvious that the Lord is doing it. My brother had a part-time job at a bakery while he was going to high school. Every Sunday morning, he'd bring home three to four of those huge, remember the tall bakery bags that are like almost three times as tall as a regular grocery bag? He'd bring back three or four of them to the point that I'd go meet him with my coaster wagon at this place that was 12 blocks away to put it back in and run the way home or drop some off with my grandmother who lived in, in the intervening blocks, mm-hmm. some with the neighbors, and come home and have enough for ourselves, you know. Yeah. And again, obviously we didn't go hungry with <laughs> with anything because we've all, all were big people, but but it was uh, just just one of, of numerous uh, God moments and God times in our life that you know, we were provided for without even asking for it, and yet here it is. And, you know, yet not, and not just enough, but enough to give some away. Uh, it, was, it was pretty amazing. But the other influencer in my life was my brother-in-law, Ray, which I believe you did us the honor of his funeral, who was a, a Catholic as a child and fell away from the church. And... Uh, Actually, Ray taught me a lot of the secular things that my dad never did, about everything from how to catch a fish. Uh, believe it or not, we used to go down in the creek at the camp that I worked at and catch fish by, fish by hand when the, the uh, suckers were running in the springtime. There was a little bridge over the, uh, over the lake, over the river, where you could lay down and actually catch the fish by, by hand. And he taught me how to do it. He says, so if you do it, do it with authority, like you want to catch it. When we went hunting, if you want to shoot that deer, do it with authority, like you mean to, you know, you're pointing the gun, you're going to take that deer. Um, but he, he taught me a lot, of, a lot of life lessons, too. So uh, at any rate, um, he was a big influencer, but then I like to think that mine back to him was a Christian lifestyle, and I think that it may have taken right up until the very end, but I do know that he's in heaven. 
you know. And Thanks be to God. One of the appreciations I have for you, Pastor, is is that you did his service and and was such a, a wonderful event for him and for our entire family. So, but then I, I also grew up. Uh, my dad was the maintenance man at a camp, Camp uh, Phantom Lake Camp, out in Laquanago. And right there, I'm going to put a pin in this conversation, and we're going to circle back to that okay. when we come back to this uh, joyful journey of memory with Glenn Robert Lido. For show notes and other information about this or other episodes of Christ in All Things, visit ChristInAllThings.org. Comments may be emailed to comments at ChristInAllThings.org. To support Christ in All Things, click the donate page at either ChristInAllThings.org or SPLCO.org. In thanks for a one-time gift of $100 or more, you receive a pair of nerdy blue light blocking glasses with the Christ in All Things logo on them. Pastor Shockman loves these. That is so not true. Patrons who subscribe for a monthly gift of $20 or more will have early access to the show and receive some on-air clapping, as well as a pair of Wisconsin-made Christ in All Things hiking socks. Gifts of $1,000 or more will receive thunderous on-air clapping <laughs> and a word of thanks, plus a handmade leather Christ in All Things folio by the Murdy Creative Company. For a gift of $10,000 or more, we will go bleepin' bananas. <laughs> Do a happy dance and take the show on the road to your home or wherever it is you'd like to fly us to record with you. All post-production surplus supports youth ministry at St. Paul's. Thank you for your support. Christ in All Things is a production of St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street, Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. For more information about St. Paul's, visit splco.org, email us at info at splco.org, or call us at 262-567-5001. Intro, outro music, setting by Joseph Hurl, copyright 1998, Concordia Publishing House, used with permission.